Not heard the latest about pooping prime ministers? What podcast have you been listening to? Because it definitely isn't the Totally Buzz podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and totallybuzz.co.uk. So what are you waiting for? Tune in now to hear all the latest news from around the web on the Totally Buzzed podcast, the only place to be totes buzzed. Football beef! Disclaimer, the following is an opinion-based podcast. Hi and welcome to Football Beef. We're back after that recovering from the World Cup and we're back with a Premier League monthly recap. I'm your host Laura and I'm joined by John the Geordie Messiah Squires and Daniel the Devil Jones. Squiggy, how are you first? Because I know you're going to say away. I am very good, Laura. Thank you for asking. How are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. And Daniel, how are you? I've got very happy football fans with Man United and Newcastle here. I the am really good, living the absolute dream, and it's a pleasure to be back on Football Beef. Excellent. So have you all enjoyed the last month of the Premier League being back? Sure, just simple answer, yes, right? I mean, it's been all right, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's been I mean. okay. Yeah, it's been football. There's been a lot of football. There's been some cool. goals. There's been some controversies. It's, it's, been, it's been a good month. So vague, so mysterious. Should we get straight to it then and get straight down to the meat of the issue here and let's talk about the title race because we're coming off a little bit of a... It was all going so well and looked so really boring and there's been a little dip in the road in the last game. Sort of a little dip, depending on how you see it. Daniel, Arsenal, title in the bag. You're still feeling confident about Arsenal because you were coming round to them, but then they've let you down. No, I think, you know, you call it a dip. I'll call it a hiccup. I think... There's been so much uh, kind of press coverage and media coverage on the facts that Arsenal dropped points. It's their only, their second defeat this season. Obviously, United handed them their first, just remember, on on Anthony's debut. But I mean, obviously that could happen. Big money, signing, morale was so high. It it was kind of, I think before we went into the game, it was kind of obvious we were going to beat them or at least get some points off them. This weekend, obviously, they've dropped points to Everton. They lost uh, in a 1-0 really hard-fought match, I would say. Everton um, really stuck it to the Gunners. They've done well, got right in their face. But obviously, I think we'll probably talk about Everton in a moment. But I would say, again, it's a morale boost. So you know as well as I do, as everyone does, when a new manager comes in, that first game in charge, you know, I would I would be really keen to see some statistics on how many times the new manager has got a win in his first game. I think, uh, obviously, Eric Ten Hag didn't. <clears throat> Just uh, forget about that. But <laughs> Well, if you want to start, Everton, Sean Dyche was the 15th Everton manager to win his first game in charge. I mean, there we go. Thank you very much, Quiggy. Well Love done, you. Everton. Keep just keep. You know what? He's done. He's peaked. Fire yeah, him. New, get the new manager in next week. Yeah, exactly that. You know, regarding Arsenal, they, they only dropped points against Southampton and Newcastle this season. Again, this this loss at the weekend doesn't help for the fact they also lost against City in the FA Cup the other day. But I watched that match. Look at the lineups. They were both weaker lineups than they've been going with in the league. It was a 50-50 game. Could have gone either way. I'm fairly confident neither team, neither club really gave two hoots about the FA Cup. They're both really concentrating on the league. Arsenal are still struggling with a few injuries. Reese Nelson, he obviously scored a couple earlier on in the season. He's been out. Emile Smith-Rowe. Huge blow. He was great last season. They're waiting for him to come back. Both should be coming back anytime soon. Gabby Jesus, you know, I'm not a huge fan of him, but I would imagine him coming back into the fold would be good for Nketiah's progression. Absolutely flying Nketiah at the moment. But I think um, 
yeah, I'm actually I'm still really confident Arsenal can go on and win the league. Quiggy, do you echo this? Is it a little bit easier to continue to back Arsenal when you consider no one sort of took advantage? Yeah, I, th- I think I think if Man City had even even come back to get a point against Tottenham, obviously won. I think it's probably easier to say it's it's turned a little bit towards Man City, but I just feel that Ars- I think it's been a couple of weeks Arsenal like when Arsenal have slipped up, all the other teams have slipped up as well, so they've not lost any ground. So they're kind of they're slipping up. But I say slipping up. They they've dropped points at the right time, if that makes sense. As in other teams are dropping points as well. And I kind of thought this would sort of be the the tough run for Arsenal from from now until I think the start of March. I think the play do they play Man City twice? close in a row yeah and i think i think them that'll be the that'll define how the season's going to go for both teams i think but a couple of weeks ago i said man city would still win the league but i'm kind of swaying towards arsenal winning the league now i don't know is that just... more because of man city rather than arsenal convincing you as yeah, in man city yeah. haven't inspired you yeah i mean i know arsenal are obviously the top of the league there's so many points clear with the game in hand and everything but i've i've not really been that convinced by them recently and I don't think I think the pressure might get well I thought the pressure would get them a little bit because you've seen what some of the players were like against Newcastle when they couldn't obviously break down Newcastle against Evan when they couldn't break down Everton and I just kind of thought maybe the pressure will get to them a little bit but at the minute it doesn't really matter because Man City are messing up themselves I don't really know what's going on at Man City, you know, you're not you're not playing, you're not starting De Bruyne, who's the, your best player, basically. I don't really know what that is. I'm not really sure. And obviously Cancelo leaving in January as well. I think that's a bit of a, a weird one because for me, he's City's best fullback and one of the best attacking options as well as defensive. So I just, I don't really know what's going on. It's City and I think they're kind of just handing Arsenal the title. And Daniel mentioned a few players coming back from injury. And to be honest, although I haven't been convinced by Arsenal recently, they haven't really looked like they've missed any of these players. I thought they might have missed Jesus when he got injured, but Nketiah has stepped up. I think he scored seven, seven and nine, is it? It's something like that. Yeah, I know he scored against us. Yeah, and he's just he's looked he's looked a threat. To be to be honest, I think he's looked more of a threat than Jesus has because Jesus has been more of linking up the play, whereas Nketiah has been that direct goal threat. So I don't really think they've missed him too much. And again, obviously Smithrow has been out for a while, and again, I don't know where he would fit into that team currently. The way Saka and Martinelli playing obviously it's good to have him as an impact sub and maybe he could help change those games where you know no nil against us getting beat one nil against Everton maybe he could change those but I don't think he would fit in to the starting 11 but it makes the depth uh options a little bit better but yeah I still think I think Arsenal now will probably win the league but I think the next sort of month will define the season for both teams I think if Man City win both of those games I think they'll go on to win the league but I think if Arsenal should win win one of them I think it's Arsenal's title but I think if I may I, don't, I think you also kind of just gloss over entirely the the work that's being done with Arsenal as well and you have to really look at Arteta and what he's doing with that squad I would I would kind of argue a point with Arsenal's squad and the squad depth that they have if you took Man City's starting 11 for example everyone knows that pretty much you Single-handedly, any one of Man City's starting eleven could walk into any Premier League team without a question. Whereas you look at Arsenal's starting eleven, there's probably only three or four players there that could actually get into another Premier League team. I don't think that Nketiah walks into another Premier League team. I don't think Odegaard necessarily does. He's been out. He's been pretty damn good this season, but I don't think he walks in and gets a place on the on the starting lineup. But do you think it's reminiscent of like how when you looked at Liverpool's title winning team and it was like they played Klopp's way, they play as a yeah. team and you yeah, win it. I it's really that do. cog machine. 
it is, but yeah, you I, have to look at Klopp. Well, you have to look at Arteta in the same way you looked at Klopp then, because you looked at Klopp and thought he's really getting the best out of these players. They're not the best players, but he's getting the best out of them. And I think I spoke on the uh, last episode about Arteta's man management. We saw it in All or Nothing. Massive credit needs to go to Arteta, and he is a, obviously a shoeing. He's got to win the manager of the season. He has to. <clears throat> yeah, that's right, Squiggy. We got the Marco <laughs> Silver, am I right? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah, Super Marco. But no, I, I do it I do agree with what you've said there, Danny. I think man for man, Arsenal aren't as good as Man City, but I think as a team and the way they're playing football, they're just the system just plays to the strengths of all of those players. You know, like Saka and Martinelli out wide, cutting inside. Odegaard sort of playing a little bit more advanced. I don't think he was sort of doing that in the early stages when he was at Arsenal. And people sort of wondered, why have we bothered yeah. signing? Like when, we got, when they got him on loan, why have we made it permanent? Because yeah. um, I know a lot of Arsenal fans at one point were thinking, why have we sold Joe Willock to bring in Odegaard? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously now that's sort of it been a good bit of business for them. But yeah, no, I agree that he's getting them playing good football, very good football. But for a lot of those players, they've never been in this sort of race before. And we've sort of seen over the past couple of years how the top four challenge has kind of fallen away towards the end of the season. And I don't know if that'll give them a bit more sort of mental strength towards the end of the season. But, you know, sort of the past few years, they've kind of they've gone off the boil towards the end. A little, bit like, a little bit like when Tottenham were... Did they f- were, could they have won the league? We're Arsenal fans are going to love the comparison to Tottenham here. And then they had, that, they had that result against Chelsea where it kind of ended their title charge and they just lost their heads after that and I think they went to Newcastle got beat 5-1 after that sort of thing and I just it's kind of reminiscent that's what I think might happen based on the top four challenge the past few years but it'll be interesting to see and that's kind of why I'm saying the next sort of month defines how the season will go I agree Um, with you and I think obviously if Arteta is to keep hold of this he needs to be coaching these guys these guys going onto the pitch every single match like it's just a it's just one match don't look don't keep looking ahead because if they do uh, the thing i do worry about like you pointed out most of them have never been in this position before you look at arsenal starting lineup again it's one of the youngest in the league that most of the players that are doing bits for them are in their kind of very very early 20s they haven't been to those heights yet and i think the best way that they can approach the next couple of months is just taking one game at a time it's an old cliche but it does it makes sense here just take it one game at a time and keep doing what they're doing. I'm getting the vibe you're both a bit more favouring Arsenal on it because of the other teams. But um, before we move on to title race, because you're both here, Man United fan, Newcastle fan, you're both not that adrift if Arsenal... Is there any hope for you, think, either of your teams? Uh, Squiggy, I'll let you take this one first. No, to be perfectly honest. I don't, I don't think that there'll be enough fortune for either Newcastle or Man U to sort of turn turn that many points around and also the points of the sort of the other teams challenging. So Newcastle are not going to overtake Arsenal, Man City and Man U to win the league. And I don't think Man U would overtake Man City and Arsenal to win the league. I think, I think it's they a, might I think overtake it's one of them because yeah. as it stands, Man United are three points behind Man City. Which is... Yeah, I think, I think basically it could be a Tottenham thing again, finishing third in a two horse race. That's probably what Man City or Arsenal would probably end up doing, I think. Daniel? I think, I think uh, Squig is right there. I, you know, I think the 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 table does kind of flatter to deceive a little bit, but I think in terms of what they've got, I don't think that Manchester United have got the legs to make ground on City. I know it's only three points; it's only one game, but then again, you're also looking at the goal difference and stuff like that as well. If you're going to kind of deep the table a little bit more, Man United's goal difference is absolutely shocking. I think. Same uh, Brentford. That's what I would do. 
it, I think it's kind of on a par with Brentford, to be honest with you. But I think with Newcastle, you know, I can't see them gaining any more ground. In fact, I can see Newcastle starting to slip into the Europa kind of stages. Sorry, Squiggy, but it's true. I just... No, no. One, I, one, I, one in five, I think that's not good enough. Um, they, they, they're kind of a victim of their own success. They came out of the traps a lot hotter than anyone kind of gave them credit for or th- thought they would. But I don't see Newcastle getting a top four spot at all. Much in the same respect, I don't see United taking that second spot. I really wish they could, but the league is too far out of reach for them at this stage. I know we're only just after halfway through the season. There's still lots more games to go, but I just can't see it happening. I think I think what could be interesting and could affect it quite a lot is when the Champions League restarts. I think like Newcastle aren't going to challenge for the title. No chance that's going to happen. But what will be interesting is how teams sort of play Premier League games if they've got a Champions League game in between and obviously Newcastle don't so that could obviously benefit Newcastle quite a bit but then say say Man U go out of the champ of, go out of Europe early on they then don't have European football to concentrate on either it's literally just the Premier League so it could benefit them and again you know if any of those teams in the top four or five apart from Newcastle obviously go out of Europe how does that affect how they attack the Premier League then as well I think that yeah. could be quite an interesting thing as and well it- it's something I've com- I've completely thought about as well because obviously you look at Manchester United they've got these European fixtures against Barcelona. One would have to jump into the mind of Barcelona at the moment and say you know they've had their their massive downs recently, a lot of controversies, a lot of press coverage on them. Are, are they not doing as well as they should be and things like that? But they're still top of La Liga. Barcelona's going to be looking at kind of in the same respect as Arsenal almost and going, right, what do we want more right now? Do we want trophies like the FA Cup? No, don't don't really care about that. Don't really care about the Europa League. Knowing that if they've got Champions League again next year, are Barcelona going to be giving it their all? We know Man United are going to be giving it their all for Europe because Ten Hag has made it very, very clear. He wants silverware and as much of it as he can this year. He feels the United fans deserve it. We haven't had a trophy in, what, four or five years, something like that. Oh, that must be terrible. Four years without a trophy. (laughs) But in terms of Manchester United, this is kind of unprecedented, you know. I know, I'm only only one year. It's a long trophy drought. It is a long trophy drought. But something I also have to think about as well is whether, you know, we talked about can Man United gain any ground on this. I've been both impressed and worried in equal measure with Man United at the moment, just based on fatigue. They've played more matches this year than any other team in the league. I think they played something like eight in January, 10 10 overall this year. I mean, you look at Arsenal, we're still kind of praising them and the good ground they've made. They've only played six games this year. Five of those were in January. So they've not been having the same kind of, they've not been having the match every three, three days like Man United have. So I think there's a lot to consider there as well. Newcastle played eight this year and they're still holding ground, but starting to stutter. So I think that's my biggest concern at the moment is fatigue and whether we can actually have the the energy to keep pushing on this season. With the, the Carabao Cup final, obviously that takes away your FA Cup uh, game as well, as well as having to fit in another Premier League game. Obviously we have to fit in a Premier League game too, but you've now got to fit two games in, is that right? Yep. So that's an extra game to try and fit in above probably other teams as well uh, and when you when you look at the squad depth we've obviously we've lost Ericsson uh for the for seeing future agent uh, Andy Carroll yeah Casemiro um I don't know if we were going to touch on him but now's as good a time as any obviously just absolute stupidity yesterday against Crystal Palace why you know with his experience and age 
you know as soon as you put your hands up to someone you're getting sent off i think it was a harsh red card but it was still a red card nonetheless you can't not give it based on no but obviously the rules he, yeah. and what else is given that's, stuff that's like his that. fir- yeah that's his first game back after a suspension obviously he's picked up five yellows he just got really enjoyed his january off he's seen your fixture schedule daniel he's he really doesn't want to play this game the one saving grace and touch wood it doesn't come back to bite me in the ass is that the next three games that he's going to miss two are against Leeds and I think the, the other one's against I want to say Leicester um, yeah it's Leicester yeah so I mean the McFred gonna have to come through Sabitza obviously new signing he's gonna have to probably play a little bit earlier than he thought he had a little cameo against Crystal Palace I think he played about 10 minutes in total obviously it wasn't televised so I couldn't watch it unfortunately but I think uh, that's my biggest concern right now our midfield and if we can get through these next three games It'll also be good to not be so reliant on Casemiro as we have been this season so far. I think that's interesting because I think we've both kind of got the same problem there in that Casemiro misses three games for you, Bruno misses three games for us. And you could tell, for us, you could tell on Saturday that we miss Bruno in that midfield because there's no one with that creativity. And draw against West Ham for us was, was probably the fair result. It's not the result you want with the form we've sort of shown in the first half of the season. But we, we miss Bruno in the middle obviously, and yeah. we don't really have anyone to replace him. And, I mean, obviously you've got McFred and Sabitza and everything, but are they as, you know... No, that was it's, it, that's it's, it. It's big shoes to in, whereas we've got Joe Linton and Willock, basically. We've got four midfielders playing for the in the three positions, so when Bruno's out, we've got three midfielders. We don't have any depth at all from oh, us. Oh, yeah. So yeah, we're in, we're in the same position. Yeah, which is also interesting because the Carabao Cup final is when both of them be playing again. Yep, can't wait. So. Oh. Same. Let's move to a team who actually have midfield issues and not like your midfield issues, guys, and talk about Liverpool. No, they've just got issues everywhere, never mind midfield. Yeah, but I feel like it started in midfield and it's like spread. Yeah. So, Daniel, have you got any thoughts on Liverpool? Because they still seem to be broken. I mean, 3-0 loss to Wolves is quite... Well, aren't they? They're, they're, they've conceded three goals in their last three away games, I'm pretty sure I read earlier. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about the defensive woes obviously they're missing uh Virgil van Dijk at the moment I think that was really you know they can't really do much without him but they're also missing their attacking options in kind of Luis Diaz Bobby Firmino Jota that's a blow as well we've seen either of those three can pop up with a goal to put some points in the bag we've seen it you know last season this season coverers I can't believe I'm saying this this is the word I'm now using crack coverers exactly that but I think uh, I have no clue what's going on with Liverpool at the moment. I th- um, it was pointed out yesterday that after the result at Wolves, if we're just going on this calendar year, Liverpool are bottom of the of the table. Absolutely shocking. So a lot gets said about them not dipping into their pockets, but it's simply not true. You know, they've spent nearly 300 million in the last three years. Okay, they've recouped 100 something million. Not, not amazing, but they have been spending. I think one of the main problems here is Klopp. Which is kind of hard to say because I, well, Klopp deserves respect for what he's done there. Without a shadow of a doubt, he deserves it. But there's calls for the chop. And personally, I don't think they would sack Jurgen Klopp. I think he's going to walk away before that happened. But if you watch that match yesterday, he looked like a broken man. And he's he's looking as much to say, what what can I do with it? What else can I do? They've spent money in weird areas. Not Obviously the correct they... areas. I mean, I, yeah. I don't. I don't understand their transfer strategy. Like they signed Fabio from Fulham. Obviously, and they they seem to have worked out that he doesn't really fit their system. But anyone could have told you that there wasn't really a space for him. And then 
I don't understand. That's like, the problem. Yeah, you're right. They've, they've spent money in places they didn't really need to be spending money. They've got Virgil van Dijk, and we've said he is a catalyst to their team. When he plays, they tend to play okay. You know, obviously not so much this season, but he's shown that he's he's kind of the backbone of the team. But it's every other doofus they put around him that's not good enough and not I like Matip. I just can't I can't handle you calling Matip. I know he had a bad game against Wolves, but I, I think Bad's been kind to be fair. Was he okay, playing? Yeah. He, I mean he scored their opener, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean was he think, playing? Who was he playing for? <laughs> yeah, that you could argue, but I do think I sometimes I'm like it has to be a minute. You don't stop being a good player, if you know what I mean. And the same Liverpool fans who tell me, oh, we can't do anything with Van Dijk and all that, the same ones that were like the season before telling me that Matic was actually better, you know, form-wise. And I've seen spells when they've said that. But I don't, I just don't understand that it has to be a mentality thing. It just does. I know there's players and they're weak in certain areas, but you, they have enough on paper to me. Absolutely. Yeah. But they've, they've, they've put players up front, like I said, Luis Diaz... Obviously injured, but and Jota's injured as well. But they went in the market for Cody Gakpo. And I'm sitting there scratching. Obviously, there was all the links to United. And every United fan will attest they did want him because it was something else. But there was only ever visions of playing him on the wing. I don't think there was ever much talk of putting him up front and seeing how he got on. But Cody Gakpo's got to Liverpool and he has done nothing, literally nothing. You've just spent £45 on a player that was probably worth about 30 you went in because you had to, obviously Liverpool fans, they had to beat United. They had to get the signing of Gakpo. They also they, wanted to feel good, like, hey, look, we are doing things in the transfer market. But I think most Liverpool fans be like, we're really happy with this, but where's our midfielder? Yeah, but, you know, do that after you've just spent £80 million in the summer on Darwin Nunes after he kind of, United were flirting with him and really, really wanted him. But no, Liverpool going off for more, they get Nunes. It's just, I don't really understand what Liverpool are doing and fixing things that aren't broken. Start from the back. Fix your defence and then you might actually get somewhere. You know, it's absolutely shocking. Uh, one win in five, something like that. It's just, I don't even know what to say about Liverpool anymore. Any theories on Liverpool's downfall? I feel harsh calling it a downfall because I would, you know. It's it's weird, like, obviously not in the same vein. This reminds me a lot of when Newcastle went down when Rafa came in and the the players under McLaren just, just didn't turn up. They just didn't want they just didn't want to know. There was no organization. There was no leader. There was no one just basically going, look, look, lads, we're not good enough. We're not playing well. We're not doing the basics right. And I don't and I don't know where that if that comes from the manager, if the if the manager's lost the dressing room, I don't know. But I just I just feel like the players just aren't aren't given the role for for the Liverpool shirt. You watch you look at Wolves' third goal yesterday and Thiago just watches Ruben Neves just run past him. He just watches him. He doesn't even make any effort to track him. He just basically goes, Yeah, go on, get yourself in the box, do what you need to do, and that's it. And then he looks around so frustrated. It's like you're the you're you're tracking him. Why have you not done the basics right? And then again, like obviously the first goal, Matip, why why have you stopped? Why have you literally just stopped in the middle of the box when there's a Wolves player in front of you with the ball? It's just it's just getting the basics right and they just don't seem they don't seem to be able to do that, but they also just don't seem to have any confidence to do anything. But I don't know if the confidence is from they're not trying, if that makes sense. You can make it look like you've got no confidence if you just don't try. And Newcastle did that. Because they've won stuff in this team. You know, like we yeah, you look at Man City I, I think... and Pep sort of argued that you can't keep winning the same, t- you know, this level of success with the same players because you lose that edge. Is that going to be a part of it? 
Yeah, and and I don't, and again, I don't know. You know, last last season, you know, the the lost out on the league was the last game of the season, and obviously they lost the Champions League to right at the end. And I don't, I don't know if that's had an effect, but again, yeah, the professional footballers, you should be able to come in and do a job. You know, I'm not going to talk about the mentality of elite athletes and everything, but you should be able to do the basics right, no matter what level you play. And and again, you look at it. Klopp sets out a team, but they're individual mistakes that people are making and, and you can't coach that it's it's down to the players themselves you can't coach Matip to to not play everyone on side and then stop when the players through on goal you can't coach Thiago to not track someone back if you know what I mean it just seems like the players just don't care they're not doing the basics right and there's no one there to basically go look sort yourselves out there's no leader on that pitch at all especially that's with Van Dijk yeah. not playing I was just thinking that I think they are missing a leader that's that can actually get them through this but I also uh, you, you were talking about confidence a minute ago, and I think there's definitely a fine line between confidence and arrogance. And I wonder if Liverpool are being a bit arrogant this year, thinking that, especially with a lot of these weaker teams, the, the Nottingham Forests and the Brentfords, you know, on paper, weaker teams, I think they would expect to just naturally roll over them as they have for the last couple of years. But I test what you just said, like, you know, you can't keep playing the same style every year and expect the same results. You can't keep playing the same players every year, expect the same results. It doesn't work. So they've dipped their hands in their pockets for players they don't need or that won't fit the system that Klopp is trying to employ. So... I don't really think like this is probably controversial and people are going to point out the stats of Nunes and Suarez at the same time. I don't think Nunes is, Nunes is helping too much because you get what two or three chances a game and he he fluffs a lot of those chances. The, the shots that he pulls wide or hits over the bar that he should at least be hitting the target or scoring with. And I think that's not going to change the fact that conceded three goals against Wolves or they've conceded quite or have conceded the first goal of the game quite often. But if your striker isn't able to put the ball in the back of the net regularly, it doesn't matter. But everyone else does, you're always going to get beat. And I think that's been the biggest struggle. Salah's stopped scoring goals. So you're relying on Nunes who's playing as your he's not a number nine, but he is playing as your most attacking player. But in front of goal, I don't know, he just doesn't look like he can score all those goals. And people say, Oh, you compare the stats with him and Suarez at the same time of the Liverpool career. But I don't know, I just don't I don't rate Nunes very highly. And I don't think his finishing is as good as what it should be to basically be that number nine in a team like that. I think if Nunes was coming in in a season when everyone else was doing well, you like you know, like they could ease him in a bit more. But it does feel a bit like you say about you know the Suarez numbers and how that eventually got better, right? And Suarez and that. But the thing is, yeah. Liverpool can't wait wait around for that time at this point. Like they need him to fire now, which is the problem. Which is unfair on him in some ways because you know you sign for a big team, you don't expect to be oh shit, it's all on me straight away. But because yeah, of Salah being anonymous, they paid a, lot, that, paid a just... lot of money for him as well. Though. Like they paid what seventy million for him. I would even say um, Isaac or whatever who you signed for big money. He they still had Callum Wilson. You know what I mean? If he doesn't, he's got time yeah. to find. Whereas you look at what how Liverpool's players' forms got it. It's like kind of like we need no we, Nunes yeah, seriously. Isaac Isaac signed for Newcastle. Played his first game against Liverpool. He scored. He should have had a second one. It was disallowed for offside. But he just looked. He just looks like a player who knows how to find the back of the net. Whereas Nunes, he's he's through on goal. And I think there's too many things going through his head. Do I hit it hard? Do I try and go around the keeper? Do I lift it? Do I pass if you know it? what I mean? I yeah, and the I, that's the thing. I just don't. I don't think he is that out and out striker playing through there. Which again brings back to what Daniel said about recruitment. Is is he that player that they need? Does he fit the system Liverpool play? Because I don't think he does. To be no, I think yeah, no. But also talk about players that you need. If you're Liverpool and you've just handed Mo Salah a big bag of money and you know got him to sign another contract, and then he 
completely disappears like he has, I'm going to be starting to question what the hell are you doing? Like, you know, why, where is it all going wrong? He's played 20 games this season, scored seven goals with a goal conversion, 14% and a shot accuracy of 47%. That's the lowest in the, in Jesus. I mean, he's, he's having a bad season. Like by his standards, it's by, by ridiculous. anyone, by no, anyone's like, standards, his shot accuracy is the worst in the top scorers league. It's absolutely shocking. People, Ollie Watkins, Gabby Jesus, Danny Ings, for all God, people, Wilfred Sahar, like it, it, just all these people are absolutely trouncing Mo Salah this year. What is he doing? Is he, is he just happy with the new contract he's got so he doesn't feel the need to try anymore? Say, I will, I can't believe I'm just here defending people all the time for Liverpool. I feel like Tommy's here in spirit controlling what I'm saying at this point but I will say I I do think Salah's performances are on himself obviously but I also think it's like the team having the negative effect you know what I mean like some of the times you see Salah he'll make the run the ball doesn't come to him quick enough or they just don't see him and I've seen other times when it's like Salah does get the ball and it's just pure frustration he does the wrong thing and you're like well this is why you're not going to get the ball you like a part of it is because the team isn't playing well you can't just put it on one player and say his performances drop that bad it is contributed by the fact that they're not playing well as a team yeah I get that with a lot of people but when you've been considered one of the best players in the world oh yeah there is a certain point you're going to argue that when you're being outscored by James Madison who's played (laughs) you know Madison's you know, three quor- three quarters of the games that you have in a sh- in a shite Leicester team, and he's outscoring you. You're Mohamed Salah. What are you doing? Do you know what I mean? No, I do get. I get. He deserves criticism. I just want to say that some of his numbers are affected by the whole team because I feel like Liverpool movers. This sounds really weird, but in their pomp, you know, everyone's on the same wave. Everyone benefits from everyone else playing well, and it feels like. They're like a machine that when one part goes wrong, the whole machine starts to pop out all the cogs and then you're like, oh, my car's fucked. Is, Ma- is Mo Salah put out the fact that they've signed Nunes and Gakpo? Or is Mohamed Salah missing Sadio Mane, who did a lot for him? I think, uh, we're, well, I think we're seeing how much Liverpool are missing Mane now. I think that's the biggest thing. I don't think with them signing Nunes, I think Salah's kind of stuck out on that right-hand side. And I mean, he's got an absolute donkey behind him in Trent who doesn't know whether he's going forward or whether he's defending. So he's basically Great pass, uh, by himself. And it's just like like what Laura said, it, it's it's not helping. But I also think that he's maybe not he's not the main man anymore. The, the aim isn't to Mane, uh, Diaz, Jota, get the ball to Salah and he'll score. It's now Salah, you're now playing out wide. You're staying on that side of the pitch. You can't drift around and roam around around it as much as you want and i yeah. think that probably has affected him a little bit but but again like yeah he's he's looked poor this season but all of liverpool has looked poor this season but you, you can single him out but again you could you could look at trent trent's been terrible well, case for everyone it's, to single yeah, everyone out it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's funny when i said about the difference in confidence and arrogance the two people i was thinking of was mo salah and trent so it's just well to be fair the only one liverpool player i can actually feel i can defend without anyone else arguing is probably Allison. that guy's been busy he's been doing his best yeah yeah I think yeah. he's still their best player and um, he's he's having a pretty torrid season to be fair by his number standards but in terms of saves and what he's doing it's probably like yeah you're really earning that money good for you yeah, literally yeah give him yeah. a new contract we'll, we'll give you a new contract next year well done yeah, good for you. You kept, you kept us in the top half of the table. Shall we uh, move to another uh, side that are probably <laughs> in despair and really struggling? And we're probably going to reflect on a little bit of the January transfer window here. Chelsea, I feel like the Chelsea-Liverpool conversation does go a bit hand in hand because you both expect them to be up there, but they're not. Oh. Any thoughts on Chelsea, Daniel? What about their transfers or the team? A little bit of both because, I mean, it is, it's a whole new team, isn't it? 
Right, it's a whole new team. Point. Nearly uh, £600 million spent since last summer. Gone out and they've spent, you know, 300 and something, to, I want it to say, 320 plus million this, uh, this January. leagues. Yes. Obviously, there's there's calls for financial fair play. Ah, only happens when Newcastle sign players, that one. Well, I mean, looking into... Looking into what I've read up on it so far, if they don't get Champions League next season, which it obviously looks like they're not going to, sitting ninth in the table at the moment, they would need to raise about 150 to 200 million pound in transfers this summer, or this coming summer, to have a chance at challenging financial. And they have enough players to sell, in fairness, Daniel. Well, they do. (laughs) But look at it. What sale? Are they going to sell their new players they've just spent silly money on, knowing they're well, they, not going to get the they money? They haven't registered them. some of them in their Champions League squad, so who's to say? Well, that's the problem. <laughs> if you look at the rest of the Chelsea squad, they're either ancient or shit, so you're never going to get 200 million off that lot anyway. I'm glad they're kind of dipping towards the bin because I think that's where they need to go and stay. They're not playing attractive football. I really wish Fulham beat them yesterday. Fulham were the better team, in my opinion. I like this chap. I just, it's true. I'm not pandering to you. I'm just no, saying. No, I know. I, I think, I, I wouldn't know if a bet. I think a draw was fair. I think we had chances, a couple of chances um, that we could have put in the one with the Tete ball that William hit across and Mitro just couldn't get on it. was like the standout yeah. bit. But then Chelsea did exactly rock us bar that one chance that. But there's similarities between Liverpool and Chelsea as well. You know, they're <clears throat> excuse me, they're they're fixing things that aren't broken necessarily. They've they've spent so much money on on kind of a bunch of weird. Sign players. who you want. Sign it's kind of sign a name, sign someone that's highly rated, sign but it's not signing to where areas you and need. And they're still sort of playing thing. Kai Havertz up front. There is that. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean Enzo Fernandez, I will say, they've obviously massively overspent a hundred what, hundred and seven million, I think they spent on him in the end. But he looked like a player. I think he is going to be a good player for them. A lot of the other signings, just so confusing. I don't understand why they've done it personally, why they've spent as much as they have. It's just, it's a really, really weird system going on at Chelsea at the moment. I feel sorry for Potter. I know that might be down, but I feel like the man was struggling to juggle the balls that he already has and they've just thrown in another 12 balls to juggle and it's like, that's not going to No, him. Potter's a PE teacher and he shouldn't, he, he would I know mean, what he was, what he knew what he was getting in, he knew which bed he was getting into. I don't feel sorry for Potter at all. Or he's been given a good hand I don't think he's the manager that knows what to do with it. And I don't think necessarily he has the skill set to actually understand what the job is he's got to do here. Hence why Chelsea is sitting ninth. Wiggy, any views on this? I think I'll start with Potter first. I think the biggest with Potter is he's used to managing players with no egos and they'll listen to how Potter wants them to play because Potter's the manager. Whereas I feel a lot of these Chelsea players are just, they've got, they've got an ego. They're not going to listen to some guy who's not really, who's not done anything. If you know what I mean? Like this is a, this is a club that have had players force managers out before because they didn't like the football they played. And I don't think that's ever going to change in Chelsea's DNA. So you bring in Potter, a manager who's, you know, relatively unknown, we'll say to, to probably some of those big names and you're expecting him to sort of make them play as a team and get them playing football that he played with Brighton to get Brighton to where they were and I don't think you can do that with these players and I don't think Potter's a a strong enough personality to basically go look I'm the manager I'm in charge if you don't like it you can go if that makes sense I just don't think he's that personality but then you also look at the transfers and like Daniel said they've just they've just signed players for signing players sake it's as if they've gone oh we didn't sign anyone last 
last year because of we couldn't so we're just going to sign all the players now to make up for it and half those players they don't need i never i don't understand why they signed a in the summer absolutely no need for them they needed a striker so they signed Fernandez, who again looks he looks decent. I wouldn't say he's anywhere near worth a hundred million. I wouldn't even say he's probably worth fifty million. But again, it's it's those prices, isn't it? That the winger from I can't pronounce his name, the that one who that's the one, yep. He he had a, a good debut when he came on, but he looked absolutely terrible against, against Fulham. Fulham. He had him in he, his back pocket. Yeah, he didn't look like he wanted to know or do anything. I don't know. Obviously, Sterling's got to be sat there thinking, well, hang on, I just moved to Chelsea in the summer and now they're signing all these players. Am I going to get a game? Yeah, it kind yeah. of feels like Sterling's been sort of like, we signed you, we've got you in the bag, but we kind of also don't think you fit the way we play. So we're going to sign everyone else around and stuff like that. And then we'll sort of address why you're here. That's what it feels. Yeah. You know, like when they're trying to push you out and you're like, I don't think they want me here, but also they keep using me but, and also rely on me and they want yeah, me to... But like, to, what, to, be, to be fair, when Sterling came on against Fulham, Chelsea looked better. He There was a bit where he um, sort of held off like two or three of our players. I think yeah. Tom Kearney slipped on the ball, which did help because he put his foot on it and then he went. But it looked like, oh, yeah. there's a spark there. There's... And there, was just, there was just that direct running at goal. And like you've signed this... Murder, whatever you call him, I don't care. Mudrick, yeah. Mudrick, Mudrick. You've <laughs> he's signed really him. He's just gonna murder. Whatever. You've signed him. He's apparently he's the fastest player in the Premier League, but he doesn't run at a player. If you hit him, he's scared. And how is that going to work in a in a rough league like the Premier League, where you'll play teams that will just kick you off the pitch? Thank and you. And again, Fulham demonstrated how to do that the other day. We were well, no, I wouldn't say that, but it was more that he was scared oh, I, to have a run. Yeah, I do Tete. think we were physical though. I think Teddy yeah. knew what he was doing. He yeah. stepped into him quite. Often yeah, exactly. Like, you, you let you let that opposition player know you're there. They're not going to go past you again. It's the same with Maxi at Newcastle. Early on, if he gets hit, that's it. He's not going to go at you. And they've done that with him at Chelsea. And then the signed oh, who was the other one? The other winger that came on at halftime, Madueke. Uh, yeah, I'm terrible. Yeah, with I'm names. They've, signed, yeah. they've signed so many players. I can't remember the names. He's a again, good little he, player, you know. See, I, I think Graham Potter doesn't is, know half the names of his squad. In fairness, but I think he looked pretty poor when he came on again. I would say out of all the players that came on, Sterling was the best one. He's the one that had been there a bit longer. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just don't get all the transfer business. And again, I, I don't, like you said, Potter's probably not the right person. And I don't think, but I don't think that's due to Potter. I think it's due to the egos that Chelsea as a club, sorry to Chelsea fans, have had over the years. I think there's just that ego where they expect to win everything and players go there and expect to win everything. And if the players don't, it's not them that'll get the blame. They'll be the manager. Like, you know, Tommy, big Tommy Tuchel, he, he got the push. Don't know why, to be honest. I don't think Chelsea were that bad, but the players apparently didn't like him. Conde, apparently the players didn't like him. Mourinho, players didn't like him. So there's a something that's there oh, at Chelsea. There, yeah. yeah, and I, and again, I don't think Potter's the right personality for that team. Can I be blunt well? and just say on like record, just to move on because for Chelsea, because we need to talk about another team in blue. But if I said to you right now, would you sack Potter? Would you think that would improve Chelsea's league position? Is it a yes or a no from both of you? Like right now, if you oh, said God, no, Chelsea, no, no. it's not going to change whoever they got. That's all. Because I mean, you no. don't rate Potter. So I just want to see whether no, is that where you're I going. I don't. It's not that I don't rate Potter. Obviously, I, I like Graham Potter as a manager. He done very, very well at Brighton. I just don't think he's the right. He, he is Bit a, at Chelsea. Yeah, he's a square peg and Chelsea's a round hole. But you don't think sacking him would make a difference to their no, fortunes this season? No, and it's also. You know, Potter's going to be under the cosh as well because they've just gone and spent nearly 120 million on two defenders in Wesley Fofana, 80 million. Come on, and uh, Baddy Ashill from Monaco. They're not going to play them because you've obviously got to start your best centre backs, and that's going to be Koulibaly and Thiago Silva. So, you know, Todd Bowley, who doesn't understand football, is going to be 
looking at Graham Potter saying, you know, why are you not playing the players I've just spent 120 million on? Graham Potter's going to go, well, because they're shit and because you just got me the wrong players. I didn't ask for them. You just signed them because that's who you wanted. I don't think getting rid of Potter's necessarily the right move. I just don't think he's the right manager for Chelsea. Quiggy, is that something you would say as well? Yeah, I don't think second Potter will fix anything. I don't I don't even know what manager would fix it because a lot of managers like to have a say in the players that they're working with and the players that they're signing. And managers will probably look at that and go, well, they've just spent 620 odd million over two windows, but they haven't addressed certain things. Do they actually listen to the manager with what players he wants? And I don't really know who would want to go in and do that job. But again, maybe sticking with Potter would be the right thing. And it would probably be a little bit of a change from what Chelsea are used to. And it could benefit them in the long run but it also could lead to what happened with Liverpool when the uh, dog leash have another season so, oh yeah. yeah that's a good shout actually yeah we'll be back after this not heard the latest about pooping prime ministers what podcast have you been listening to because it definitely isn't the totally buzz podcast on spotify apple Podcasts, and totally so what are you waiting for tune in now to hear all the latest news from around the web on the totally buzzed podcast the only place to be totes buzzed and we're back, guys. We've got to talk. We've talked about a lot of the main issues, but one of the teams we need to touch on more is Everton. Obviously, we referred to them earlier. Sean Dyche in one game, one win. Boom. Made it look easy-ish. Uh, how are we feeling about Everton now? Relegation, not so much? Or it's still going to be a long, hard season and you're probably not as confident of Sean Dyche saving them, even though they've just beat Arsenal? Daniel? Well, I think uh, Frank Lampard's departure is one of the greatest transfers this season. I think that's got to be said. Tactically naive, wasn't suited to the job, shouldn't be managing a Premier League team. So I think Sean Dyche coming in's a good thing. It's not necessarily a managerial signing that you would say wow at. I don't think any Everton fans are getting really excited by the prospects of Sean Dyche being their manager, but he's got experience and he's also got a history of working with weaker teams and getting some positive results. Obviously, he's been relegated from the Premier League. He, He can do some bits. I would say losing Anthony Gordon. I think they got 40, 45 million, something like that from Newcastle for him. Bit of a blow. Yeah, bit of a blow. Not a major one, in my opinion. Good talent, but I don't think the survival of Everton this season really was lying on Anthony Gordon. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is back from injury. I think him staying fit and finding some form that he had a couple of years ago would be one of the major things for them. I think if you're Sean Dyche, you're going to have to literally rally around, get the best out of those players because the players he's got they're going to need to fight with every single thing they have if they're going to survive looking at the next eight fixtures they've got Liverpool Chelsea Man United in their next eight along with Brentford four really really tough games in that Leeds are going to be a tough game for them they're also fighting the drop I don't necessarily know that Sean Dyche can get them out of this it's going to be the players that he's got and I don't know if he's got the quality there to survive this season. I concur that he's, his options, he's got to really make, he's got to make a lemonade without lemons, basically, which is a weird new take on the phrase, but that's how. Yeah, no, and they had, a, they had a great result yesterday against Everton, like I touched on uh, against Arsenal, like I touched on earlier, new manager. They obviously want to show, show themselves. He, he made a few tactical changes, playing four at the back, worked really, really well for him. We kind of expected it. And they really got in Arsenal's face. They need to go and do that every single week. Much in the same respect as we spoke on earlier about Arsenal and how they can win the league. It's got to be employed the same way for Everton and how they're going to survive. They just need to take one game at a time, 
and just see every single game like it's a cup final. Griggy, do you concur with that? Do you feel more just confident as, about Evan? Just to uh, Daniel's point about Dice making tactical changes, he actually just made tactics, which is what Lampard had never done. The amount made of time, because ta- I mean, even even last season when Everton played at St James's Park, there was absolutely no, there was no tactic there apart from let's try not to concede a goal, and that was it. And I said, I think I said to my dad a couple of weeks ago that if Lampard goes, Everton will stay up because he's the biggest problem. I don't think that Everton's players are probably bought bottom three standard i don't think even with I their just, lack of striking options i mean because well, I, this, I this, this, yeah. this is what i was gonna this is what i was gonna say that if calvert lewin stays fit i think they'll be perfectly fine if calvert lewin gets injured that's where they'll struggle because they just haven't got another striker in that team they've got enough players who can play out wide to put balls into the box for calvert lewin but if calvert lewin's not there there's no one there and i kind of think even going back a few years well not a few years but when rafa when rafa was there and rafa had them playing 4-4-2, two wingers, Calvert-Lewin through the middle, get balls into the box to Calvert-Lewin, and it worked for the start of the season. If I remember rightly, they were playing very well at the start of the season, then Calvert-Lewin got injured, and they had no replacement striker, and that kind of, that's where Rafa's career ended at Everton. And you look at Calvert-Lewin yesterday against Arsenal, and the balls didn't hit him, he, he won a lot of battles in the air, and that sort of, that helped sort of Everton get up the pitch, and it, it's what they've needed, and it's what they're going to need if they're going to stay out of it. They need someone who can be that focal point of the attack someone you can lump a ball up to basically like Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood at Burnley basically that's what that's what Dyche needs he needs Calvert-Lewin to stay fit so they can do that and I think if Calvert-Lewin stays fit I think they'll stay up yeah but it, it would be only just as well I think obviously oh, yeah. you, it wouldn't you look be at Calvert-Lewin he's not yeah he's he's never going to be a 20 goal pre- league a 20 league goal season of striker he's just he's never done it he, he never will do it obviously he in, is a, in, a be- in a better team and if he stayed fit i think i think he would you know i think if he had yeah but yeah in evan i don't no, think evan are gonna yeah. have 20 goals a season between the whole team never mind one player but. exactly yeah i think uh calvert lewin's best ever season uh was 16 something like 16 17 goals i don't think he's got it in him to get 20 and that was him playing out of his skin I just I don't see he's got it in him with that side to do it. But it's not necessarily just about Everton as well. It's also you've got to look at the lower end of the table as well. It seems like Leeds. I don't know. I think if you're asking us who's going down right now, I genuinely from that bottom six, I really couldn't pick. I couldn't pick three dead certs because they all kind of look like they're going to go down. Southampton probably a, a shoe in to go down but Everton South could just Southampton are a weird one though because obviously I know it was in the cup but they beat City in the cup and they absolutely I know City weren't very good but they absolutely dominated City in the cup they played very well against us at St James's Park in the second leg of the semi-final and then they go into the Premier League and lose 3-0 they, they also just... defy logic by not even getting a new manager bounce if anything it seems more hostile since Nathan Jones has taken yeah. over and I think that's, a, that's an interesting appointment but but again I think it, Southampton's downfall goes back to the the fact of the players that brought in and let go in the summer and it depends how quickly their new signings bed in. I they think gambled the on a lot weather. of youngsters, didn't they? Because on paper, you're like, for that he could, he's got a good reputation. He's promising, promising. Yeah. But you, if you have, rely on all promise and youth, there is a certain point yeah. where their players are always going to be inconsistent because they're learning. Yeah. It's 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 weird though because any of those bottom six could easily you would look at them and go they, any of them could easily win two games in a row and suddenly they're not out of the bottom three but then you yeah. could look at it and go they could easily lose the next six or seven games because the way they play they just exactly that yeah. they just need a bit of luck like Forest today against Leeds it was a, it was a very good strike but Leeds absolutely dominated the game after that but couldn't score mm-hmm. so it's kind of a bit of luck will get you a couple of wins but that's kind of it I think Southampton will probably go down I think Bournemouth 
possibly as well because they're in a poor run of form. I saw someone tweet they wanted Scott Parker back, and I was like, man, it really is going bad for Bournemouth. And I think possibly Leeds because Le- Leeds for all of the build-up play, they, they just can't put the ball in the back of the net, and they look pretty shaky they at the back of- as well. Really exciting attacking talent. Leeds always mystify me with that, with the whole, you know, they have a lot of, they do everything but put it in the back of the net. You look at them like tasty, tasty, amazing. And then you're like, or they're drawing, or they're dropping points, drawing games where they've scored three or four in a game, but they still managed to draw. Yeah, I mean, defensively, yeah, yeah. defensively, they're so bad that if they score, they've got to score three or four just to get a draw. Yeah. And And if they don't, and if they don't score, we'll get beat. Yeah, exactly that. It seems, it seems to be the only time that they can. they can actually start getting some goals under their belt is when they're already 2-3-0 down and then they come back to draw. It's kind of interesting towards the end of the season, but we've still got a little way to go, obviously. There was one thing else I want to touch on, Everton, before we wrap up. Obviously, they didn't make any signings in January. Shocked? They didn't. No. Um, I think, obviously, it would be a really tough sell for anyone as well right now. What, this is the thing I was going to argue with this, because I obviously I know about the reported financial issues and that, and they did get money in. At the last, you know, on the last day where they started being linked to bids and stuff, like they went for Conor Gallagher reportedly, didn't they? And he rejected it because uh, didn't they? Didn't they get linked with Ayu as well? What did yeah, I? Yeah, and he that? chose Forrest instead. <laughs> but this is the th- this is the thing I was going to get. Like the money might not be as you know, you know, I'm assuming the package financially wouldn't be as appealing. But if you're a striker and you're like, where can I go be the main man? You feel like agents would have been like, yo, here's my... You know what I mean? It's kind of like when Wolves were struggling for a striker earlier in the season. I would have thought like agents been like, look, they're creating all these chances, but no one is finishing. You go there. Regardless of what happens, you're going to, you know what, get opportunities to score and be a hero. Like, if you're confident, go there. But I don't understand why Everton couldn't get anyone. Because, like, just financially, they must have been offered to... A reasonable amount. Here's a be playing devil's advocate. Have the the way the fans have gone on with the players after games does that put players off from wanting to come to Everton? If they yeah. as, a, as a striker, if you if you miss a couple of chances and your team gets beat one nil, those fans are going to be all over you. They're going to hound you. The, I see the flip side. If I'm confident in my ability as a striker, which I am not, <laughs> or nor am I a striker. But if I was, I'd be like, I can go there and be a hero because they are desperate for one. Like, literally, yeah, I would I, have to score I two goals too, and they will cheer me. I, <laughs> think cheer ris- I think it's too risky to go there. As a, as a player, if you want to keep your reputation, poss- possibly like your front teeth, I wouldn't go to Everton. And I'm sorry, Everton fans. I think I think the way the fans went on with the players, like stopping Mina. I know they put a ball out in front of Gordon's car when Do he was trying to get out of the ground. you think it was over exaggerated on the fact as in you know the Mina thing right yeah and viral clip. they were shouting at him but what he was actually saying was quite reasonable but he was just saying it in a very aggressive tone if you know what I mean and the context of it yeah. made it look worse yeah but and I think that's I, the I do problem think they and... got overridden yeah it's it's I weird like you, you look Evan. at you look at like I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna compare this to Newcastle under McLaren or under Pardew when things weren't going well the fans expressed their concerns at the game with chance with with the bedsheets people make fun of the bedsheets but Never once did a group of Newcastle fans stop players from leaving the ground and basically yeah. make the players talk to them. No, no, that never happened. And I've not seen that happen at many clubs, but I've seen it happen at Everton. You know, like the, the board can't come to Goodison Park because it's a threat to their safety. Like Reportedly, because that's like to... contested because... Since. Yeah, but but you wouldn't but you wouldn't risk it. And as as a player, would would you really want to go there? 
it's a hot, it's a hostile atmosphere. If they if they stay up, then everything will be right with the world. But if they go down, I would not want to be a player at that club. And that's why, as a striker in January, I wouldn't go there because nowadays it's it's always a loan with an obligation to buy. It's never a loan and right, right. See you later. I'm going back to my parent club. It always seems to be one of them loan and you're stuck with us. What you're making it sound like, but like you're yeah, they, they put the sign saying you're here forever, whatever. It's so it sounds it sounds harsh, but but yeah. And I mean, again, I know last January Newcastle were down there. And obviously we we had money to spend and we brought in, you know, Trippier, Burn, Bruno and Chris But Wood. you were selling a positive product, project we, is what yeah, you're saying. That's, that's the thing. We we had positives to sell. You know, like we we were selling out every week. We were bottom three, selling out every week. And even even the players knew that if they went down to the championship, if they stuck with Newcastle and got us back up, there'd be heroes like Jamal Lascelles is a hero in Newcastle. He's absolutely awful, but he's a hero because he's the one that stood up in the dressing room when we went down. And Just... the players, the fans respect that. But I don't think players at Everton get the respect. Like Richard Charleston got loads of respect. I think he's a little bastard. No, but I think he got a lot of respect because he wore his heart on his sleeve. I think it's really simple what Everton fans want. They want a player who looks like they're busting a gut for them, who's playing for that badge, who turns up every week, who doesn't hide away or shy away from responsibilities. I know that's going to be like, oh, but this player does that and he's still got dog's abuse. But there's, I, do, I don't think they did. I think when you saw last season when the fans had to come through, they came through for Frank Lampard. I don't think Frank Lampard would have had a job this season if the fans didn't help save the club yeah, from relegation I, the way they turned up. I think up. It's, gone a lot, it's got a lot more hostile this year. I think it has, I but think I do think... Why... There's an opportunity to turn it. I see your point. I'm just thinking the flip side is I know I can go there and be a hero is what I I would see. I don't know. Just touching on what Squiggy was just saying, though, there about, you know, are they an attractive club to go to? If you think if they took that 40, 45 million that they got for Gordon and invested that in a player, someone that's proven that will get you some goals. If they didn't hit the heights that they should have and and made Everton survive, like Squiggy was saying, there is going to be an uproar. Would the uproar be on them and not the recruitment? Would it not on both, really? Because they're going to go, well, you just spent all that money on shit. But if they went out, for example, and got a Veghorst in on loan, you know, he's not flying for Man United. He's only scored one for us. Uh, Okay, he's holding play up and allowing Rashford to play and things like that and maybe getting a little bit better out of him. But I just, I don't really see who Everton could go and get that's actually going to help them survive. I think this needs to be an internal job. They need to look at the players they've got and say, okay, this is on you. You want to be playing Premier League football next season. You've got to really put a shift in and help us survive. I don't have the bodies because I don't want them to turn. Is it to Sims who's highly rated the youngster? I'd hate to see all the pressure put on him or stuff like that because I don't. Maybe, maybe. And it would be kind of sucky to see because they've been there for so long. But maybe it would be the best thing to happen to Everton to go down. I'm sorry to all the Everton fans, but maybe it would be. Have a clear out. Get rid of some of the shite that you've got because if they look through their squad, they've got a lot of players there that are aging that aren't really going to help them at all. And then and then start the rebuild process. They oh, can. I, I I agree with that. And I, agree I don't to wanna... a point. There's a point that to take into account who's in charge of this rebuild. Is it the same people that build the built the rubble? That you see what I mean? Like when Fulham went down the 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 first time because we have to specify like you know after the stint and we had a big clear out and got in different and we went different directions the Khans were new to the still new to the you know the game so their rebuild wasn't great so then we kept going down whereas he's Everton who's in charge of Everton now they've been shown they're not very good at building a team would I want the same owners in charge of the in people in charge of would I be confident in them rebuilding from scratch regardless of them get to clear the decks. Have they learned lessons? Well, I know. 
It kind of reminds me about like both times Newcastle went down, but it was good as in it cleared out the players that were just there to earn the money just to pick up a wage. You know, like we got rid of Sissoko, Wijnaldum, Yamat, and all of those players the second time I went down because they did not want to be at that club. So our, t- our club became a group of players who who were there for the shirt. You know, like we brought in uh, Richie and Gale and players like that. And, you know, like Gale's gone. Richie's still at Newcastle now, and he's a vital part of that dressing room. He doesn't play, but he's a vital part of that dressing room. And I think Everton going down, whether it's the same owners in charge, but if they sign some players with some big personalities, that would help them come back up a little bit like what Newcastle did. To get the right personalities. Well, that's the that's the problem. That's what but... my problem is. Yeah. It's like asking the person who bulldozed your house to rebuild it, and it's like they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, it's but kind... Newcastle, Newcastle did the same because the same owner brought in the same the players I... that didn't want to be there. I don't think that was out of incompetence, that... though, was it? That was just out of he didn't want to spend money. And he tried well, to, do you know yeah, what? I'm, like, true. you see what yeah, is a different is sort of incompetence. Everton have thrown money after money after money. Like they have tried to, they've done that bit. They just don't buy right. To be honest, I think it's just biting them on the arse now. Well, like Daniel said, it'll be sad if they go down. I think it'll be great if they go down. To be perfectly honest, I, I mean, didn't it, think I cared, but apparently this turns out in this debate, I'm very passionately Everton. I mean, it does kind of say something as well when you consider what was it? 18 months ago, they had Ancelotti in charge. They had uh, Hamas Rodriguez doing bits for them. <laughs> it's it's been a uh, been a pretty shocking 18 months actually, isn't it? And even then, that was just like kind of like a you know like a, the bit on the top of the roller coaster where it's all still and it goes out on the straight before dropping. Yeah, yeah. That that basic was the Angelotti spell, if you know what I mean. Like it wasn't going to last. It probably wasn't going to help it in the long run because you were always just going to drop as soon as he went. What's hilarious is some of the players they've got out on loan could actually really do a job for them and probably help them quite a bit. They st- they still own Moise King. They've got Jared Braithwaite, Andre Gomez could probably still do a good job for them. I think um, if they do get relegated, a lot of these players are going to go back and go, what the fuck happened here? Like, what happened while I was gone? <laughs> it's but, the community gift with Donald Glover walking in with the pizza box and everything's on fire. That's what it is. Like, Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, they've, still got, they've still got Deli Alley as well. They still own him, technically. So technically, it's be technically, I completely forgot about Deli Alley. Well, it's gonna it's gonna be great when he goes back in the summer and they're in the championship. He's like, oh, this is where I should be playing. Like, this is where I should be playing for the last six have, years. Imagine he rebuilds all his confidence. That he's the he's the story they need. This is it. He's the true hero. We just didn't realize it. Coming a long way round. Anyway, football beef. I feel like we've actually had some debates, some disagreements, and it's actually been quite beefy for once. It's not been football friends, guys. And the listeners at home probably also might have beef with us now, which they can find us on Twitter at Buzzed Football and tweet us all their opinions. And if they're Everton fans, please direct all your hate at the other two because I, I love you guys. Yeah, I'm not giving my socials out. I don't want Everton fans coming at me. <laughs> anyway, if you liked what you heard, please hit the subscribe button because that helps. Rate us five stars because that also helps the algorithm and makes us more discoverable. And make sure to tune because season three of Football Beef is coming soon. Daniel, Squiggy, do you want to say goodbye to the public? Any last words? Goodbye to the public, and I'll catch you on the next episode of Football Beef. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm going to get me suit measured. Goodbye. Football Beef! Not heard the latest about pooping Prime Ministers? What podcast have you been listening to? Because it definitely isn't the Totally Buzz podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and totallybuzz.co.uk. So what are you waiting for? Tune in now to hear all the latest news from around the web on the Totally Buzzed podcast, the only place to be totes buzzed.